Hey, Lizards, Gizmo here. I wanted to share some of the cigars we'll be smoking in April and May, so you can smoke along with us if you'd like. For Cubans, we've got Monte Cristo, Especialis No. 2, San Cristobal de la Habana, El Principe, Cohiba, Siglo 5, H. Upman, Half Corona, and Hoyo de Monterey, Double Corona. And for New Worlds, we've got E.P. Carillo, Allegiance, in Sidekick, Davidoff, Late Hour, in Robusto, Aging Room Quattro, Nicaragua Sonata, in Maestro, Dunbarton, Tobacco and Trust, Sin Compromiso, Selección No. 4, and the Davidoff, Winston Churchill, in Bellicoso, with much, much more to come. Have a suggestion? Email us. Hello at loungelizardspod.com. That's hello at loungelizardspod.com. Our podcast is supported by the Fabrica 5 Cigar Company. It's a handcrafted and artisan story built with a strong foundation by two legends, Rob Isla of Friends of El Habano and Bon Roberts fame, and Cuban master blender Hamlet Paredes. The entire line is crafted by Rob and Hamlet and refined with feedback from a hard-nosed tasting panel, the Friends of El Habano Forum, and smokers like you. You can jump on the FOH forum right now and post reviews and comments that go straight to the powers that be. They're already fantastically priced, but exclusive to Lizard listeners. Fabrica 5 is offering 10% off Puro Desnudo Ninfas N7, five packs and 50 count bundles using promo code FAB5, that's F-A-B-5, right now at Fabrica005.com. Plus, worldwide free shipping from Miami on all orders over 125 bucks US. This offer only lasts one more week. Again, use code FAB5 for 10% off Ninfa's five packs and 50 count bundles for the next week at Fabrica005.com. That's Fabrica005.com. You must be 21 years of age or older to order Fabrica5. No boxes, no bands, no bullshit. And now, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Lounge Lizards podcast. It's so good to have you here. It's a leisure and lifestyle podcast founded on our love of premium cigars, as well as whiskey, travel, food, work, and whatever else we feel like getting into. My name is Gizmo. Tonight, I'm joined by Rooster, Puba, Senator Pagoda, and Bam Bam. And our plan is to smoke a cigar, drink some wine, talk about life, and of course, have some laughs. So take this as your 101st official invitation to join us and become a card-carrying lounge lizard. Plan to meet us here once a week. We're going to smoke a Cuban cigar tonight, share our thoughts on it, and give you our formal lizard rating. We discuss the long-awaited El Habano Moderno book release. We revisit our frequent disappointment with Romeo. We discuss the parallels between wine and tobacco production. And we celebrate Senator's birthday, all among a variety of other things for the next two hours. So sit back, get your favorite drink, light up a cigar, and enjoy as we pair Quill, Howe Mountain, Cabernet Sauvignon 2012 with the El Rey Del Mundo Grand Marshal Regional Edition Balcani. Agenios tonight on the pod from Cuba. It's the El Rey Del Mundo Grand Marshal Edición Regional Balcani. It's a 52 ring gauge by five and a half inches long. And this is the second Genios we've done on the pod. Also, the Connoisseur A from H. Upman is exactly the same size, as well as the Cohiba Genios. And I believe we did... Maduro, the, right? Yeah, it's, it's a Maduro. Maduro. And I believe we did another cigar uh, of the same size, and I don't remember which one it was. I think it was either a, a Limitado or a Regional or something, but it was also a Genios. It'll come to me. It'll come to me. Uh, these come in semi-boyd nature boxes of 10 cigars. Another Regional on the pod. This is only the second uh, El Rey Del Mundo we've done. We, the right. other one is a cigar that we love mm-hmm. so very much, which Schwa is Supreme. Schwa Supreme. So let's love. cut this thing, boys. See, we're getting on the cold draw on the wrapper. It's a beautiful cigar. Beautifully made. Announced in 2020 and came out 
about a year and a half ago, a little over a year maybe, sometime in 2022. Classic Cuba. Very mild on the cold draw. Mm -hmm. You know what I noticed was the foot smells incredible. Yeah, the wrapper, not much. No, but the foot smells very good. I get a lot of like Fig Newton, uh, some fruit. Mild fruit. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's it's probably it sweet. I think this will be a good cigar. It's a really good looking cigar too. Construction, yeah, and it's not light, but it seems like there's quite a bit of tobacco in it. Any reviews on this cigar that you read on? I haven't seen much. I've seen stuff like on the Facebook groups and stuff with guys who've smoked it and really enjoyed it, but I haven't seen anything formal. There is there is some fruit on the yeah. cold row. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mild fruit, yeah. I think the dried fruit Fig Newton thing was was accurate, yeah. Hmm. All right, boys, let's light this thing. The El Rey Del Mundo Grand Marshal. Again, it's a regional edition cigar out of Cuba. 52 ring gauge by five and a half inches long. Has two bands on it. The classic El Rey Del Mundo band you'd find on the Demi Toss or the Schwa Supreme. Pagoda's out of propane. Well, <laughs> I, I think Pagoda's lighter was about to take some billionaires into space. <laughs> it was cleared for takeoff. <laughs> Jesus, look at this. What the happening? This is supposed to be the flat flame lighter. You put Pagoda in the other room, So please. Pagoda has an eight-inch flame coming off his lighter right now. <laughs> Pagoda, your older brother has spoken. <laughs> okay. Well, like, there, there. Oh. What the hell's going on? Mm, really nice on the light. Oh wow! Yeah, this is tasty. Very nice. So these were these cigars were like thirty five, forty bucks a piece. Wow, not cheap. No. Wow. You know, once that second band is on it, that uh, the the M- classic MSRP is less. Yeah, it's of like, course. Like twenty three. Yeah, price is always up from there. Did you say what year? What year these were? So they were announced in twenty twenty. Um, that's when they were scheduled for release. But they didn't come out until uh, last year, mid twenty two. Oh, well, this is this is tremendous. On it. It's very yeah, good. On this LA. is really good. Mm-hmm. This is only my second El Rey Del Mundo. I mean, I've only had the Schwa Supreme before it. Yep, very good. On the light, it's 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 super. Great combustion on this thing. Yeah, and the draw the draw is excellent too. The draw, the draw is excellent, and I and I almost can tell it's gonna. Uh, it's projecting nicely so far. My hypothesis is this is gonna be a nice burn. It's almost surprising because I think Giz mentioned the cigar actually has a bit of weight to it, mm-hmm. but the draw is so open. Yeah. It's amazing. It's true. Really well rolled. I love the design of this band. It's yeah, the classic El Rey yeah, Del Mundo. Very unique. It's very pretty. Yeah. And it's so typical with Habanos announcing a new cigar and it doesn't come out for like two years. <laughs> what are you talking out, about? Right? They're always on time. Yeah. <laughs> but they yeah. ran out of boxes, so. <laughs> Everything in Cuba always operates Can, on time. Uh, is there a meaning behind Balkani? I think it's the, from the, Balkan. the Balkans. Balkans. It's a okay. regional edition for the Balkans. They only made 6,000 boxes, uh, 60,000 cigars, and they come in 10-count boxes. Uh, nice, like a numbered semi-boit nature, so they have that gold uh, number on them out of uh, 6,000 on each of the box. Which means they made 12,000 boxes. <laughs> <laughs> He's not wrong. <laughs> So the other cigars that are in current production, we're not. We're going to ignore the other regionals because there are so many. Like I said, uh, the Schwa Supreme, which is a wonderful Hermosos number four. We love that cigar. I think all of us smoke oh, as yeah. many of those as we can get our hands on. We want as many as we can find. Such a good cigar. And uh, also the Demitas, which is a 
Uh, small Panatella, which is 30 ring gauge by 3 and 7 eighths inches. People love that cigar too, just a little smaller than certainly I think most of us are going to reach for on any regular basis. And they also have an, uh, a yet unreleased 2022 LCDH exclusive called the Royal Series, which is going to be a Dobles, a Robusto Extra, 50 ring gauge by 6 and an eighth inch. So like we know about this brand, despite how much we love that Schwa Supreme, and hopefully we'll love this cigar tonight, the cigar, you know, this brand is really used for regionals. Mm-hmm. If you, you know, if you look at a Cuban Cigar website and go through that the list of cigars that they have on there, man, there are so many special edition, you know, regional editions. It's, it's, it's kind of crazy that most of what's coming out of El Rey del Mundo is uh is regional edition yeah it's a portfolio it's a portfolio marker that that they they do basically regionals with uh, it's been that way for a while it has for and, a while and what's crazy about it and i learned this from uh el habano moderno which we'll talk about in a little bit the new book from alex groom the uh the keeper of cubancigarwebsite.com so el rey del mundo was established in 1882 we went through some of this stuff on the Schwa Supreme episode, but there's a couple new things I didn't know. The name translates to King of the World. This is wild. The brand was considered a premium luxury brand and was among the most expensive brands available in its heyday in the 1940 and the 1950s, all the way up until the 1980s, and then it completely fell off. It's classified by Habano Sase in the other category. as uh, It's a portfolio brand, as Puba mentioned. And there are only two cigars remaining in regular production, which is just a, an absolute tragedy. It is. I, I'm sorry. It, it's really so disappointing that that's the case. And I say that because we all love the Schwa Supreme. Mm-hmm. I've heard very good things about that Demitas, right? That's the other one? Yep. Mm-hmm. I've only heard positive things about that. There's a new world brand of this. So like, there was enough brand cachet from clearly its Cuban history that they wanted to obviously introduce a new world version of it. Where you think about other brands like we've done, like Kawaba or some of these others, there's no new world brand of Kawaba, no. right? Like there's a very limited audience for that cigar. So I'm just bummed out on the light. This is very good. Obviously, we love the Schwa Supreme. I wish they would invest a little bit more in this brand because I like the flavor profile. Uh, yeah, couldn't, couldn't agree I, I, more. Couldn't agree more. And it, it's it's one of these brands that's like a um I've always thought of El Rey, El, El Rey de Mundo as um an elevated portfolio brand it's not a discount like i consider kuaba a little bit i guess you'd kind of call it a discount marca uh, not quite like a um not anymore well but it used I to mean, be relative, to relative, relatively yeah. yes i mean when we used to shop that would always yeah. be way cheaper than partagas yeah. or Upping. right yeah. san cristobal right. like like that to me i don't think the san cristobal anything in the san cristobal lineup if this continues the way it does or continues the way a Swash Supreme does, Stephen holds a candle, mm-hmm. to, to, you know, to it. Do you know what I mean? It's so, so it's, it's, to me, it's always been a little bit of an elevated marker that's somewhat limited, somewhat hard to get kind of small batch stuff, even the regular production stuff. Yeah. Schwa Supreme does not come off that often. You know, it doesn't come off point. that often. So that, so to me, it's always been elevated. I, I, I mean, when there's ever a chance to to pick up a box of, of Schwa Supremes, people generally jump on them. Yeah, they're they're loved for all the right reasons. So, and some of these limitadas now, I haven't had a lot of them, but if this continues on like it started, I mean, 
the preview right now is it's delicious. It's fantastic. Yeah. Delicious. So what kind of flavor notes are you guys getting? You're gonna laugh. I on the on the burn line and on the retrohale, you're gonna have a great time with this one. I am getting a little bit of citrus on this. I am too. A bit, honestly. On I, that burn line right there. I'm I, right there. I agree. Where yeah. I'm at, I, I'm kind of comparing this to that Lagoria Cubana we did. It's kind of got that Turquinos thing a little bit. Like, a little bit. Like it, it's kind of that it, one's earthier and more coffee than this for me. And I but I think it's a it's got a sister profile mm-hmm. to that in mm-hmm. a way. And I think there's also a freshness about this that is not yeah, bad. I was like gonna you, say you can taste that it's not aged tobacco, but it's not it's it doesn't have a harsh no. harshness to it. It's not biting. Not at all. It's really smooth. Is the thinking with Habanos, like, you know, like coming out with regionals as opposed to regular production, do they sell more regionals if, I mean, is that why they come it's out with higher, more regionals? It's a higher or? premium. Yeah, higher, higher price point, I and would think. And it's marketing. I mean, yeah. if this cigar was regular production and they charge the same price, I mean, this is... MSRP is twenty three dollars on this. Yeah, but nobody's buying it for that price. Yeah, so even if they came out the regular production and they charge you thirty, yeah, they would still sell the same amount. So, like, what's the, you know, why come out with more regionals in this brand is what happens. I just think that a, I don't think the brand is established enough to demand a regular production cigar at thirty or forty or fifty dollars. I think when Schwa Supreme comes up, we see it once a year. It comes up very infrequently. I mean, how often do we? How, when was the last time any of you guys saw it's Schwa Supreme come up anywhere? It's frustrating True. not to see it enough. Demitas comes up quite a bit on FOH, but Schwa Supreme, I, you just don't see it. But who's chasing the Demitas? They're so small. Yeah, but people are buying them up. But I think that that's an easier cigar for for Habanos to get out the door. Yeah, who chases the small cigar? club Corona? No, right? you're right. Yeah, yeah, no, no, you're right. A lot of people. Yeah, with the the Ramon Alonis small club Corona and that Demitas are probably two of the best small cigars around. And that club Corona is a home run. So I have to say on the flavor profile, I'm getting a really strong note of something that I normally laugh at in cigar reviews when they say that they get. Can I take I, a guess? No gat. No gat. Please do. <laughs> Honey and cream. You're very close. Honey, honeysuckle. <laughs> honeysuckle. honeysuckle. <laughs> I was about to say that. I'm deadly serious. So I even just looked this up as it's the first thing that popped into my head because I am telling you on the finish, it, it's not regular honey where it's super sweet and like sugary. It's like this sweet but slightly floral note. And when I looked at what the difference in taste of honeysuckle versus honey, it's described as like sweet and floral versus like just sweet in traditional That's honey. Exactly what I get is. a ton of honeysuckle in yeah. this. Well, honeysuckle is a flower, no? Yes. Yeah, but yeah. you can eat it. Yeah. It's edible. And the, there definitely is a floral component to it. I think that's, that's a true. perfect way to m- kind of marry the sweet yeah. sweetness with the floral. But it's it really settles for me when I push out the draw, it settles so nicely on the front of my tongue. It's it just it's just lingers there. It is a great cigar right now. Yeah, very very so satisfying. It, it's it the thing that I like about it is that it presents itself it very distinctly, meaning like those flavors jump out at you and they're like right, they're right there. They're not hard to pick up. It, 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 that that honey, honeysuckle, that honey and floral, it's very easy to pick up because they're pronounced. They're not muddled. They're it's, not muddled. It's especially right there. Especially on the retrohale. Yeah, capture all that right there. But you know how many times? How many times do you, do you light a cigar up? Oftentimes with new worlds, where you're like, I'm confused, or like, 
I'm not sure. Or, you, you, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm not, I don't know what I'm picking up. Like it's mm-hmm. kind of this, it's kind of that. This is none of that. This is very distinctive. Yeah. There's an understated elegance, I think, to this cigar. The way it's smoking, the Absolutely. smoke output's really impressive. The burn line, my yeah. con- the construction, the burn is great. And delicious. I mean, who knows what it'll be like in the last third if it, you know, yeah. if it becomes juvenile. Because you're still getting a little bit of that citrus just i am i i think the burn line Strange, smells right? incredible it does it's very good but yeah there is a citrus type um mm-hmm. i don't I, I don't know what word i want to use but as you pull it through your nose it kind of tingles a little bit it's weird yeah it's like it's floral it's got a little citrus it's got a little fruit there's no coffee no no cocoa no, no, no earth, chocolate no, no, earth, no, no barnyard none of that no yeah. but it's defined yeah it's very defined it's like distinct. it's it's saying yeah. this is what it is like and i like that oh yeah it's there's no mud there's no confusion about what it's presenting right now at this point in the cigar and i think we're seeing too and i know that we're only in the first third here but i think we're seeing what we've been saying with fresh cigars out of habanos right now that they're blending these cigars to be smoked younger and be ready faster than they've done in the past because i think you know you talk about some of the other regionals that we've smoked on the podcast off the podcast some of that stuff, even with two, three, four years of age, we're saying this is not even Awful. close to ready to be smoked. Yeah. Not even at its peak, well, but yep. ready to be smoked. This is ready to be smoked. Maybe this particular regional, like some that come out, it's Cuba being Cuba, has been aged maybe a little bit longer than we think. Has been the the piles have been whatever have been they've been sitting who knows it, well, it cigars, may have a year old year, cigar was sitting you know, in the factory before it was shipped so some uh, who knows there. there's maybe some more it, like it wasn't maybe it wasn't as rushed out yeah but what 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 could they be What's, doing different i mean they they get the tobacco they roll it and they push it out uh, i'm just gonna say i i don't maybe. i don't think this is as much about the age as i think it's the blend it's a blend i think the blending is yeah. just fantastic absolutely and i yeah. say that because when we reviewed that torquenos mm-hmm. And that's from a marca that is like known for more floral notes. Um, that was super young. What was that? 23, 22? It was November 22. 22. I we mean, smoked that. I think it was, what, it was six or seven months old? Super mm-hmm. young. And that cigar had no rough edges. It was a little more floral in profile like this is. I think that was just blended so well, so balanced. There wasn't anything aggressive about that blend that needed a ton of time to mellow out the aggression and i think in this it's blended somewhat similarly where there's nothing there's not like a ton of lejero or anything that needs a lot of time to pull back some of the strength of the flavor and i think it just marries really nicely even on the younger side and the other thing too i think if you want to talk about what habanos has changed or what tabacuba has changed i think that they've absolutely lost time as being in their favor right you think about COVID, you think about the lack of stock. I think these blending decisions need to be made such that cigars are ready to smoke faster because as soon as they hit the shelves, mm-hmm. they're, they're not sitting around. No, they're they're gone. gone immediately. They're gone, you know, well before they're even delivered That's in most cases. Point. And the other thing is the price yeah. increases, right? I mean, yeah. they're going to charge more for these cigars. And, you know, that's some of the great values of certain New World cigars. They're already aged. Mm. You're trying to compete and charge more. You, you've got to have sticks that are ready to smoke off the shelf. No one wants to pay 100% more than they just paid for a cigar and have to wait, have it sit there for two or three years before they can uh, light up the cigar. Yeah. So I think it's just a, a must with kind of the new pricing model. Agreed. Yeah, it's not a Lajaro heavy cigar at all, uh, Senator. It's 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 
It's very floral. The primings are got to be premium in here. To me, um, it's a bit QD esque. Yeah, it's a it has a QD point. thing. Right? Good point. Yeah, yeah, it has a, a little bit, bit of that kind not of not Zeno esque, more QD esque. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you would know the difference. <laughs> yeah, you would. <laughs> Tell us about the Zeno. <laughs> Fantastic smoke. So I don't remember if we went through this, but I just think for this exercise, it's interesting because it it frustrates me quite a bit. Going through the the list of discontinued regular production cigars that were canceled in the 2010s. I mean, some of these cigars, man, we would eat them up. You're talking a Petit Corona from uh, El Rey del Mundo, uh, a Lonsdale, Elegantes, oh, Grand Coronas. That's heartbreaking. I mean, uh, a large Panatella, which is a cool size, 28 by 6 and 7 eighths inches. Like, there's some just really fantastic things that have gone the way of the Dodo, and and now this brand is used to Make re, uh, edition, you know, regional editions. When were those discontinued roughly around, like, time period-wise? Okay, so the Lonsdale, for example, which we would love, 2002. Uh, some were canceled in 2006. That's the, there was a Churchill Churchill that was canceled in 2006 uh, called the Tainos. We need uh, to find some of these. I know. There's got to be boxes somewhere. There's somewhere. Petit Corona canceled in 2012. I bet that would be fantastic. Famosos, too, right? Is that ERDM? No, that's no. Vegas, Romania. Yeah. Vegas, Romania. Imagine a Lonsdale in this. Oh, I would love a Lonsdale. <laughs> and the Churchill. I would love both oh, of them. Oh, yeah. You know? But I'd rather see them put out less, better quality than put out more and be a line like R you know, R&J. R&J. Don't get me started. <laughs> you know where they've got all these different sizes and... and uh, and right into the you can please write into the show um they suck <laughs> um feel free to send in the hate mail but like they're not really that good i mean there's a few here few and far between that can maybe deliver some satisfaction but i mean it's like the walmart of <laughs> of cuban marcus it's true well, G Gizmo I mean, uh, Gizmo took the plunge and had uh, a, a pretty baller uh, R and J. If one ever allegedly existed, how, yeah. how did that work out for you? So, all right, so I got a um, a two thousand eight Romeo y Julieta Churchill Reserva. So it had the classic gold with black text Romeo y Julieta Churchill band on it, and then it had the black. Reserva with the two R's that are mm -hmm. face each other. Yep, yep. And uh, I got it as a, a bodyguard kind of thing for a charity thing that I did with Mile High Cigar Guy, who, I, by the way, I got these cigars from. So thanks to uh, oh, Mile High cool. Cigar Guy out in Denver. Very cool. I want to shout him out. So, uh, yeah, so he and I, we did a little charity thing, which was cool, a while back, and, and that was one of the cigars I got with it, not from him, but from someone else. And I finally decided to light it the other night. I had a good day at work, and I was really excited, and I was like, you know what? We all we do is shit on Romeo. Like, let, let me try this cigar and send a picture to the boys, and and <laughs> you know, let's see if we can change the change our minds here. You were adventurous that night. So I, I must say, the White Churchill is not like terrible. That's, that's the, the, the White Churchill is the most white smokable Churchill. cigar they yeah. make. Yeah, we did it on I the pod. What did it get? Eight. Yeah, the White Churchill is okay. That's that's one yeah. of the ones that I have in my humidor. We smoked one of those at one of the factories in Cuba. When we were yeah, there. That's yeah, true. That's right. So I cut the cap of the Anahato, poured myself a little uh, little drink, 
and the draw is immediately impossibly tight. And mind you, this has been sitting in my humidor at 60 for maybe six months. So the first thing I have to do is take the perfect draw to a Reserva Romeo Churchill, get it opened up. And man, I lit it. I finally opened it up. It, the draw was fine. Combustion, was it was burning perfectly. You guys saw the photos. Razor sharp burn. And it was one of the worst cigars I've had this year. Oof. Like if we did that on the podcast, I think it would have probably got like somewhere in the fives or six. Like, How much does that thing run? I mean, no, what, 150, 100, 200 bucks maybe? Excuse me? Yeah. Oh, it's a it's reserve. A reserve. <laughs> maybe even more. Puba, I don't even know. I mean, yeah, I mean I'd fire an employee like two, if they two brought two me plus. that cigar. Like probably 200. So thank God I didn't pay for it. But, you know, I ditched it halfway through. And then I went and grabbed a regular production, Sir Winston from H. Upman, and lit that. And I had a phenomenal experience. But, I mean, I couldn't believe that even the Reserva, which is supposed to be five years aged, came out in 2012, 2013. It's a 20, 2008 cigar. Five years aged, supposed to be the, the top of their one of their premium brands, and it was an absolute atrocious cigar. As if we needed any more proof that R&J should be discontinued as a line. I'm sorry. If their Reserva cigars at that price point are not at a minimum satisfying, let alone spectacular... They have no business producing cigars. I, I, I just it's don't just know who's buying these. Yeah, it's a crime that this market we're smoking tonight has how many Vitolas in it? Three? Two. Two. Two? And how many does Romeo have? A hundred? A hundred. It's absurd. And you know, the thing that- you That's know, my point, It's though. absurd, dude. That's my point. Isn't le doing less better, yeah. better than doing more worse? Meaning if R&J, so we complain about- the toll was being discontinued, but wouldn't it be better if R&J had maybe two, two th or, or let's call it ha a ha still remained a global, a global brand, but had like six Vitolas yeah. instead of how many do they have? I don't even know. 15. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at it right now. Current production. You're, you're over your, I'll do the math. You're right around 20, 25? 50, yeah, wow. 20, 25 wow. Vitolas. That's How could they do Every single well. marker should Absurd. have like five to six Vitolas. Have a Petite Corona. Have a Robusto. Mm -hmm. Have a Lonsdale. Maybe, I don't know, what's the next size? Churchill. Churchill and a Bellicosa or a Pyramid. And yeah. that's, that's it. it. And then a couple have a Lancero and some other special things. Leave and it that be the end of it. Yeah, that's and all And do you it need. extraordinary. So to your point, Puba, I'm fine with El Rey Del Mundo, let's say, having four or five Vitolas, add a Lonsdale, add oh, yeah. a Churchill, add a Robusto, you know? I know that Schwa Supreme's kind of close to that, but add a proper Robusto or even like like you just said, like a... Petite Corona? Yeah, or, or, a, or a Bellicoso. They're, they're putting out hundreds of thousands of boxes of Romeo and Julieta. They're putting out so much... How can you do... It's like, it's like the Budweiser of Cuban cigars. How can you accept not as consistent as Budweiser? So, so, so like, so like, how do you how do you make that much in that many different sizes and have it be okay? There, there are some. There, what I'll say is, there's got to be a palette. There's got to be a lot of people out there that have a palette that is perfectly aligned with Romeo. That that's the brand that they're that they're reaching for because I mean, every I time just, they 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 put them out, I watch them on FOH. They go up and they come right down every time. Everything I'll just they say put this. I, I think I'm sorry. I have a hard time imagining any serious cigar smoker that loves is passionate about R and J. I think that that brand somehow, unfortunately, persists. 
because I think they've done a very good job marketing to like novice cigar smokers. Yeah. Like if you even think of those like Selección de, you know, Robustos or yep. whatever the case is, there's always an R&J in there mm -hmm. too, alongside respectable brands like Partagas and Upman and Cohiba and the rest. I mean, oil's even in there. Global. And so it's, it's a, just it's like, global, it's a global yeah. Brand, and yeah. I, I just think like people end up trying R&J early. I think also a lot of new world smokers are used to that. that then yes. try Cuban cigars. This is yeah. R and J yeah. has served a big purpose for new world cigar smokers in that Absolutely. they make some of the mildest stuff you can buy, and you can find it anywhere, anywhere that, and everywhere that sells any yeah. type of cigar. And they kind of get brought into this world through that, and then they say, "Well, I've got to try a Cuban RNJ. Mm -hmm. And I think that they just kind of get suckered into spending money on that because that's what they know from the New World selection. But I just think it's a shame because there are so many cigars at exactly the same price point. Like it's not even the case that R and J, the Cuban brand, is more accessibly priced, and so that's an easier entry point. It's not. No. It's the same as any of these other global brands. That's right. Yet the product is so inferior. So I just think it's a really damn shame. I mean, clearly it's tremendous marketing on R and J's part. Yeah. But it's to detriment of the consumer because it, there's it is a lot better. Stuff. Yeah, and it's omnipresent. You can go to. Any, like, I've flown in a lot of different countries in the world and been to the humidors, and you'll always find RNJ. Mm -hmm. yeah, you, it's omnipresent. It, yeah, it is. And, 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 and it's mass, it's really mass produced, I think, in a way that maybe I don't have the numbers on it, but it doesn't work. Um, I'm sorry, but it, 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 I, I haven't smoked a, 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 an RNJ that was good since the 90s. The, the first, like I said, I think on the text string, you know, I loved uh, in the in the 90s, the uh, Churchill, the Churchill. Yeah. When before this is pre, you know, Internet buying and all that stuff, the shoe attendant at my golf club would have the tubed um, with the gold band, you know, the, the metal tube Churchill's. Yep. Yeah, that meant I'm not lying. They were great. I'm sure they were. They were really, really good. Between and, that and the Monte Cristo number two, that's what every banker in New York was smoking. Right. I mean, they were fine. He had Monte twos. He had the Churchills, and that's what. Been, and he'd have Cohibas. I'd never smoked them from out of the locker room. But what I'm trying to say is, is that there's a lot of history. I think with R and J, and they're still living off of it. Yeah. There's a lot of great mm -hmm. history. I, they, I, I just don't think they're making cigars today like they did back in the day. And I'll just say, I mean, to Puba's point about the production vol volume of R&J, it clearly matters because the two brands that we have the most construction issues with, like Gizmo's Plug Churchill, we've had that obviously with not even the Reserva line, just regular Churchills they make. It's R&J and it's oil. Oil. Yeah. And, yeah. Sure. and those yeah. two brands pump out more cigars than probably any of the big Habanos. Uh, mm -hmm. You want to hear something crazy? Guess what the mother factory of El Rey del Mundo is? R &J. No way. <laughs> Romeo. <laughs> what? I swear. Now, what's funny about that is I don't think I've ever seen a, a Schwa Supreme box come in with a Romeo code on it from that factory. It's always been from a provincial. That's shocking. But the mother factory, you know, again, going back to El Habano Moderno, the mother factory of El Rey del Mundo is Yeah, I know, but they Romeo have provincial Romeo. codes in the box. Yeah. So I'm guessing that the blending is done there. That's what I'm assuming. Uh, oh, and they're rolled. And they're rolled elsewhere. Interesting. Elsewhere. But, you know, who knows what's who's really rolling them, uh, you know. Well, on a different note, Bam Bam needs a refill. Yeah, let's talk about our pairing tonight. <laughs> So Please we have a uh, we have a, a Cabernet Sauvignon from the Howl Mountain Quill Quill, and it's a uh, 2012 vintage, correct? It is some serious age. 
So the the thing I saw about Quill and I, Senator, I don't know if you know anything about them, um, but the one thing I saw is that it's uh, everything they make is single vineyard, and everything they make is a single varietal on all of their wines. Which tells you it's a premium vineyard, period. I mean, the fact that none of their grapes for anything that they produce and bottle comes from anywhere other than their actual estate there in Howe Mountain, that tells you it's a premium uh, premium vineyard. So I saw this bottle and I obviously uh, thought of you today, Senator, and we'll get to that in a bit, but it comes from Howe Mountain and we did the uh, the Howe Mountain Suve. Yes, we did. Uh, from uh, Cuvée. Cuvée. <laughs> the Suve. Damn. <laughs> the Souffle. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was the, the it was uh, uh, Robert Craig. Robert Craig, which was an excellent wine. So what do you guys think of this? This is the first time I'm having this. I got to tell you, when I first sipped my first glass, it took me by surprise. I didn't like it. But as I was drinking it, to me, it's there's a little savory, a little sweet, and a bit of saltiness on it, which I love. Minerality. It's delicious. Yes, which it, is the soil in Howell Mountain. Now, it's volcanic soil there. Yeah, oh, so as right. you drink it, for me, it gets better and better. It's really quite good. I got to say, it's very fun for me to hear Bam's commentary on this because truly, th- this is like watching in real time lizard palates evolving. Like Bam's picking up yeah. all the right notes on I'm this I'm not wine. a wine guy. I'm oh, not. I know, but you're you're growing into one you're is my you're point. You're becoming yeah. one like, is what he's Everything saying. you're saying not very much guy. aligns yeah. with my take and I think anybody's take when they would drink this. And the thing with Howl Mountain, I think why this might for some be a little surprising or off-putting at first is- the wines tend to be a bit drier than a traditional Napa California cab. I think most people see California, they take a sip of a cab and they're expecting like a fruit bomb fruit. right away. Mm-hmm. And that's not this. Similarly, that Robert Craig Howell Mountain Cuvee, it's not. It's a drier, more balanced wine. So this is even a little bit drier than that. It drinks more like a Bordeaux. Uh, but I like that style. So uh, you know, for me, this is very interesting. I will say, I think this bottle has... It's aged at slightly an accelerated pace because this drinks like a wine that's like 15, even 20 years of age on it. Like you're getting a little more the acidity that sometimes comes through in a good way, not a bad way with some more serious age. And um, I think that that's probably just a product of like it being stored maybe in some slightly warmer temperatures where it, it does accelerate the aging process, but it's a very good wine. Yeah, tasty. I think it pairs very nicely with the cigar, and I think that it's outstanding. It's bringing something out of the cigar a little bit. Well, that minerality in the yeah, wine. Yeah, and there's for like me. a little earthiness coming out of yeah, the cigar. Yeah, there's an enhancement the that takes place. Yeah, it's very nice. It's it's a wonderful match for it. Yeah, it's it's dry up front and dry on the finish too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not a really fruit forward cab. It's got good body, and, and um, yeah. it's good. It's I I, I like it. It's not totally my jam. Um, I mean, term, it's probably a little in, drier in terms of than the flavor. It's to. yeah, it's a little bit drier than like what I would, what I would reach for. Uh, but nonetheless, it's for what it is. It's it, I, 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 it's very good. Yeah, it's it's very good. I don't think it would go as well with the steak as it does with this cigar. Agree. Well, that's the thing I will say. The only thing that has surprised me about this, so. I mean, I guess two things. It's a bit drier than I would expect from Hell Mountain because usually a Hell Mountain cab starts out dry and then finishes with some more of the fruit forward notes that you would this expect. This is both dry and dry. Exactly, which is what a, Bordeaux, a French Bordeaux drinks like. It's just bone dry all the way through. Um, so that was a little bit surprising, not in a bad way. It's just different palettes, different styles and preferences. But the thing that is surprising to me, a Hell Mountain cab 
usually has a lot of structure to it. Mm -hmm. And this is a little thinner. This is probably the thinnest Howl Mountain Cab I've ever had. So I'm just confused how that's possible. It may just be the, the, it could actually be the best explanation for this is probably the year. Probably 2012 was not a super hot year in Napa. And maybe that's why this is not as concentrated and structured in flavor uh, because the heat's really what does that. Like some of the hottest summers in Napa period have some of the most amazing bottles. Of so wine. similar to tobacco, similar to what we learned about tobacco plants, that they have to work harder yeah. in Cuba than yeah. they do elsewhere because there's just not much in the ground. You said that it's volcanic ash and Howl mm -hmm. Mountain. Yep. Is that a similar thing with the heat where the grapes just have to work harder That's and you exactly get a better it. wine? That's exactly it. And so it concentrates the flavor in each of those grapes a lot more where if it's cooler or especially a rainier season, basically those grapes are more filled with water. It, it just dilutes that concentration mm. where in the real intense heat of the summer, certain years, I mean, you just have like... Uh, sometimes a very jammy, just intense wine. Mm -hmm. And for cabs, I mean, that's great because you usually pull a cab when you want something that's more structured want. or yeah. to pair with a steak, like Giz mentioned. Mm -hmm. A different year of this may pair well with a steak, but not necessarily this year. Mm, but the nice thing about this, this is good for just, you know, drinking, you know, just for you know, Table consumption. Yeah. 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 Because there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing offensive about it. It just doesn't have, uh, it's slightly muddled and one dimensional. I guess is what I would say, but, but not, not in a bad but, way, but it's not, yes, but it's not, um, it's not bad in mm -hmm. any way either. It's, it's not bad. It's mm -hmm. just, um, I guess what I say, I've, I've had, I've had a lot better. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? But it's not bad. But it's not bad. Do you, I mean, Agreed, I yeah. just, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, yeah. I, how much, agree. how much is it? Uh, I think I, I think at this vintage now it's probably around hundred and ten yeah. bucks. Okay. Sounds right. Okay. Yeah. Twenty twelve bottle. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've had it maybe six months. There you go. Four months. How much was the souffle? The souffle was free. <laughs> it came with the souffle came with it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't know how I don't well, know how in the last twenty episodes my pronunciation has become a thing on this podcast, but it really has. I need to work on this, man. Well, it's like it's it's like is a it's like is a bottle of Jordan gonna satisfy more? You, you no, know, that's fair. You know, yeah. like uh, at a fraction of the price. Uh, yeah, you, you know. Um, the other thing I saw on this too, I think it says on the back there, Senator, that it's uh, only twenty eight hundred cases made. Yeah, it does, which is actually very surprising. I mean, this is uh, fairly limited production. Um, I think you know, kind of to our cigar discussion about, you know, El Rey do Mundo producing kind of smaller quantities, higher quality. I think clearly that's what Quill goes for, um, which is commendable. I just think that we've, we've not probably picked the best year to get the fullest expression that they would want. You can want say it. To. Go ahead. I'm not a wine guy. Go ahead. No, no, I'm not criticizing. I I'm mean, just impressed that these guys have been so polite about this all the way through because I've been trying to come up with words. I said I better keep my mouth shut considering well, we could tell con you're considering the way I started out tonight. I'm just refraining from passing on my Pagoda's opinion. gears have been turning all night. They're just turning. There's a shank coming. I can tell. <laughs> oh, tell us, Pagoda. How, how do you how do you feel about the wine? The shank's in the fire, the right? Jammy now. and vinegary. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. It's like I would never pay 110 bucks for this yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean I, like i drank a bottle of uh what's it called shop uh Chap uh, yeah. uh last week it was 2012 and it was the most ridiculous thing i ever drank mm. 
in a long time. It's good wine. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah. it's, but it's, it's triple the price. Wow. Uh, wow. But. Oh, was it a good vintage? What? <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Um, I don't know, but I'm not a huge, I'm not a, I'm not a huge wine guy. You me know, neither. You know? so. I mean, I'm not a huge wine guy. I know enough to be dangerous, but. Yeah, I don't know enough to be Napa, dangerous, but, but I know when I drink a good wine or when I drink a bad wine, you know, uh, for what this is tonight, like this, you know, this cigar for me, it just, the, the smoke is getting better and better for me. Just like what we're drinking tonight. As I take each sip, I enjoy it. The combination of the two for me. It's it's fantastic. It's yeah, a it delicious. Work. It's, work. I, it's a great, it's great experience. Cigar. But I do think the cigar would pair really well with the champagne. Mm. I really I, do think so. I kind of agree with you. I yeah. will say, when I had the first couple puffs of this cigar, that's immediately where my exactly mind. Oh, where my mind. Oh, oh, oh. I mean, when too. you think of like honeysuckle, that's what you get in a lot of champagnes. I so I'm, are you still I'm getting you. honeysuckle there? Uh, I don't. Wine, think so. I'm so fixed on the wine. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> You want me to get the uh, champagne? Yes, sir. It'll always get, always, always, always get the champagne. I'm saying I'm glad it's only 2,800 cases made. It's a good one. Hey, but listen, but it's a 2012 bottle and it's and it's a hundred bucks. Yeah. So everybody, including myself, needs to calm down. Very, very good price for that, which I again signifies this was definitely not their best year if they're selling it at that price. Can I just say that this is the last bottle of wine that I'm bringing to the podcast? (laughs) Why? I'm clearly not good at this. We win some. So boys, that's the Ridgewood. So boys, it is Senator's birthday today. Yes. And we have Happy some birthday, treats. Senator. Uh, Bam is presenting a cake from uh, one of Senator's favorite bakeries in now, Ridgewood. It's now, called Gizmo, Sook. When you try that cake, that's a cake. All right. Bam did well. He knows. <laughs> that's a cake. Would it get from Costco? Or not? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the sheet cake I get from Shopway on my birthday. So uh, we have some champagne. We have Bollinger. Uh, Look at you guys. That uh, the Bam picked up today. Put it on ice, as of course is tradition. Impressed. Um, Bam, do you want to open it? Or, Senator, do you want to open it? We do not have the saber, obviously. No, I, I, actually, I think the Grand Puba should be open right, here we go. tonight. Sure. Right. We're, 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 I'll do the honors. Okay, we're going to open it. We do not have the saber, obviously. That is in the Senator compound. Yeah, the saber, it's got a copyright on it with the group. No one else <laughs> yeah. can use it but him. Yeah. I was going to text Mrs. Senator, but... So I went on a little adventure with this uh, bottle. You, yeah, it was hard to find, right? Really? That, no, that was the last bottle in the whole ah, place. I, I went to that. three other places that didn't have it. And it was, none of it was chilled. Oh, man. Yeah, of course. So, you know, I'm getting yelled at by Puba. You got to put it on ice. So I go to my local club that I frequent, ran in, got a bucket of ice, put that in there and left it in a car. Worked out great. Wow. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it's Senator's birthday, and Puba is going to do the honors here of opening the Bollinger Champagne that Bam procured. Lizard, uh, lizard favorite. Lizard favorite. One of the favorites, yeah. Yeah. Can we get like the James Bond theme song going? <laughs> we have Bollinger. I mean, it's like <laughs> the <laughs> official <laughs> champagne <laughs> of the <laughs> Bollinger. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. You're talking about James Bond. I don't know what you... <laughs> oh! Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> there you go. That's, that's proper. 
Pooba's now going to pour? Bond. James Bond. I think Pooba would make a good gold, Goldfinger. Pooba. <laughs> <laughs> I no. think Senator's Goldfinger. <laughs> no, Mr. Bond, I want you to die. <laughs> I love that movie. So we're pouring the uh, Bollinger now. We're passing it around. So uh, there's also some <laughs> gifts here for uh, Senator. Puba was very kind and procured uh, some green spot, which we've done on the podcast, for Senator to throw in his locker. And I brought him a, uh, I brought him a cigar, of course. R.J. Churchill. R.J. Churchill Reserva. Oh, boy. Half smoked. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> The perfect draw still in it. Perfect draw still in it. Ooh, look at that. Oh, uh, Cohiba Seaglo like wow. six. Don't let the uh, don't let the cover fool you, boys. Seaglo five. Don't so, let the cover fool you. Open it up. I want the tubo Z. back. We're, we're all getting those, right? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> look at that. Damn, boy. Look at that. Two thousand four. Oh my god. Partagus eight nine eight. Thank you. Yeah. Damn, homeboy. Now that's a cigar. All right, I was a little confused. Like Cohiba, I want of that tubo back. Of all the markets for me, but so Partagus, you, you know, know eight well. nine eight from Partagus is a classic Lonsdale. So I threw it in one of my Sigla uh, Five Lonsdale uh, tubos that I use for uh, when I don't want to carry my case around. It's one of the best eight nine eight. So I've actually not best. had uh, a cigar out of that box. I tapped it today for Senator. It's a two thousand four box. Fabulous cigar. It's feeling like a very elegant night. The smoke is. is the cigar is beautiful. I'm about to sip this champagne. Wow. So, boys, to our friend Senator. Yes, sir. A very happy birthday. Yes, sir. A wonderful year ahead. To you, my friend, our friend. Cheers. Thank you. Happy Cheers. Birthday. Love you guys. Cheers. Appreciate everything. Cheers. I love you. Cheers. Happy birthday, Senator. Cheers. Cheers. Love you, man. Oh, yeah. So that's just the normal ball and Jay, right? That we had on that's the right. podcast before. God right. damn, yes. that is Excellent. good. It's very nice. Excellent. I mean, it's just perfect champagne. Oh. It, well, it really it's is. So and, good. And, and, and the, I, I was turn, really turned on to this champagne uh, like a year ago. Um, you were in DC when I was. In D, yeah, I was in DC. He sent me a champagne list. Oh, said, that's right. That's champagne right. Champagne list, and I was like, you know, they don't have Paul Roger, and I'm, I'm not a. I love champagne, but I'm not a huge Vouv guy. I, it's too sweet for me. Um, but this champagne. Um, falls like right in the middle of me. It's like medium bodied, and it can it can really pair with a lot of different things. And it's just it's got a little, um, it's just got a little bit of a little bit more body that can hold up. <coughs> and it's just. <laughs> me. I'm drinking it too people quickly. That, people that die. Oh, <laughs> as I die and go to the hospital with COPD. I love the, the, um, I love the champagne. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so going to do a monologue about the champagne <laughs> and, 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 and then suck no. it into my lungs. <laughs> no, but it is really fantastic. And I did, and I did order. I did order, and I. I Okay. <laughs> Happy birthday, Senator. Happy birthday, Senator. We, you can edit the whole thing out. <laughs> Fuck the whole thing. But it, I, I'll tell you, the champagne goes so much better. That's just my. You know, he's not wrong. Of course. Oh, with this cigar, with the floral notes, it's yeah. really an excellent pairing. What's funny for me, this champagne, I think we, I said this the last time we had it, it is a little mineral forward, just a little bit. Yeah. 
which works with the cigar like the wine is mineral forward. So speaking of, we're over halfway through here. We're just beyond the halfway mark. Yep. I, I mean, this it, it's really performing wonderfully. And to all of your points, I mean, the champagne is really helping. This cigar is getting better and better. I agree. For me. I agree. And I, this might be the first regional that we kind of celebrate on this podcast. Maybe aside from uh, the Mantua that we did yeah. very early on, the Punch Mantua, uh, the Italian regional, I believe. Yeah, the Mantuas are that's a wonderful awesome, cigar. They're awesome now. I so, mean, they've really developed well. Yeah. Oh yeah. I um, I was I was thinking as we were opening up the bottle of champagne that down the stretch in particular, not so much in the first part of the cigar, but maybe the second half. This is almost it's the flavor profile is almost matching up like um, it's like if an Upman and a QD had a baby. It's starting to present. It's starting to present some of these more dessert flavors down the stretch, which is really unusual. very pleasant and unusual. Um, yeah, yeah. It, where you think that it would start to get maybe I don't know, uh, it would show some more youth and look and smoke a little more juvenile. It's not. It's actually presenting me with some some more dessert flavors along with that kind of floral and f- like more fruit forward type thing. And and to me that's. To me, that says it's previewing like it'll age really well and just get more complex over time, given how com- given the kind of complexity it's having down the stretch, given its age. I agree. I mean, I think everybody in this room knows I am as anti-regionals as exists. Yeah. I see no meaningful purpose yeah. to them. We all are. This is definitely one of the few regionals I would happily smoke again. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm very, very happy with this. The issue is the price point. These are expensive sticks. Thirty bucks. Thirty-five, right? I think I didn't think they were thirty-five. Yeah. yeah. I will say for uh, thirty, thirty-five bucks, this it feels uh, like it's actually a reasonable, fair price point. They come in a box of ten. Yeah, they only come in ten counts. You know, and that's what you, you know, talk about the punch. To Senator's point. I'd spend three hundred fifty dollars on this right yeah. now. Yeah, I would right now. You talk yeah. about the punch mantua case, yeah. that we talked about earlier. That comes in a fifty cab. Mm. So you're you're also seeing the habit change with Habanos versus when did that cigar come out? Twenty. 2019, I think. Uh, You're seeing the difference in in how they're changing their packaging, too. I don't think we're ever going to see a a cigar come out of Habanos ever again in a 50-count in a regional or limitada. And I would bet, I'll argue a point that I would bet that most of the 50 cabs that we see coming out now, maybe aside from the RAS, um, are going to go the way of the Dodo. I I think that they're going to go away. The poor Laranaga Petit Corona 50 cab, I love that. I hope that doesn't disappear. I think the Lucy Cab 50 Cab is here to stay. Too. The we haven't, short is we haven't seen stay. those in over yeah. a year and a half. And also the shorts, the, the I'm shorts saying, here to stay. The part of the short, short, I hope that stays. I think well. the little ones might stick around, if, but if the, the bigger yeah. cigars. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. the Lucy 50 Cab doesn't stick around, I'm not smoking Lucy's. Yeah. The Lucy's out of those boxes. They're awesome. They're the dress box. No, they're not. No, no he's no, he, he was 50. We were talking about 50 Cab. He's talking about the. Yeah, the dress boxes are Lucy's are not great. I think the 10 count dress box, there's a little more room in there. They're not I've stuffed never in had there. a dress box. I have. Lucy. I have. Not they're great. not great. Yeah, they're not as good as the 50 they're more, Well, they're construction issues with, with Lucy's more frequently than. Then we'd oh, yeah. like yeah. to they'd like to admit from Partagas, actually. Don't, I, don't I Not in 50 cabs. No, 50 cabs are awesome. I've never had a problem with any. We had a major problem on the Rob Isla episode, and those were out of a cabinet. Really, yeah. those were mine. I've had I've yeah. had a bad we had experience a major out of fifty cab. Yeah, really? wow, oh yeah. yeah, wow, and like 
No doubt. With a lot of age on them, too. Wow. Yeah. It, wow. It was, That's sad. Yeah. I know. Geza still had to give me quite a few Lucy's. Yeah. <laughs> none He's of pulling them, them off. None on of you. them. None of them have I've given him like, no, I've there's given some like inconsistency. Four. I'm not four. kidding. I mean, it's there, there very is, inconsistent. It's, it's unlike, unlike the D4 where you rarely run into something. Yeah. It's, look, it's a, it's a smaller ring gauge cigar. So, you know, it's a longer cigar, which, you know, it's harder. It's more difficult to make consistently than in a robusto. It just is. Yeah. Um, yeah, but there's plenty of Lonsdales that I've smoked like perfectly. There are no draw issues. This is a double Corona. This is not a Lonsdale. This is a big cigar. Yeah. Right? No, I'm saying in general, like compared to like a Lucy. I mean, oh, I see what you're saying. Classicos have been like I haven't had a single bad plugged, you know, or the Mantuas for that matter. You know, you need a you need a bigger leaf to roll those, and they're harder, a little bit harder to come by more as consistently, I think, and I think that's part of the issue, maybe. Yeah, I unfortunately, think that's it. there's some hit or miss. Not as bad as the Romeo uh, Churchill, <laughs> but you know, the Lucy is. Uh, I mean, when you get a good Lucy, I don't. I think that's a hard cigar to beat mm-hmm. when it's on fire. But when they're not good, man, they are bad. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 Haven't had many. But I've had everyone I've had has been great. So, Senator, what are any birthday plans? Any uh, any goings on? uh, Nothing too crazy. Um, My wife and I went to dinner um, on the weekend, which was nice. Um, Oh yeah, you said the oysters, man. That's right. Yeah. So I I was thrilled about this because obviously I'm as passionate about oysters as I am champagne. And my favorite West Coast oyster are Cushy oysters. So for any listener out there, if you love oysters, especially if you like West Coast oysters, did you say Cushy? Cushy. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Jesus. My pronunciation again. Yeah, <laughs> clearly. <clears throat> they're they're creamy. They're as good as it gets. But the thing is, it's not the easiest to find them. So I was super thrilled when uh, this restaurant in Montclair that we went to, they had Cushy oysters on the menu. So we got those. So those were great. I had some Dover sole. Um, it was a great meal. I was very, very happy. I've never us. had Dover sole. What, what kind of fish is that? It's a white fish, mm-hmm. flaky fish. Um, it's just you don't see it very often. Like they've got to fly it in basically. It's not like something it, readily available it is reminiscent to flounder right it's white and flaky yeah yep. yeah kind just of. in a butter sauce yeah burr like a burr blanc burr, or yeah nice um but it was very good so yeah had a nice meal um my son's birthday is right around the same time so i was pleased that i had anything done for my birthday because when my son was born i was like well <laughs> you don't exist this anymore. is gonna be the last birthday i'm probably <laughs> having for uh until he's 18 but um no it was it was, uh, it was very good and then it was nice because uh just being here for the podcast uh you know number of friends like oh what are you doing tonight and i'm like i'm actually going to record the podcast and i can't think of a better way to spend uh, there's no better way. evening no, no better way. we're happy to be here with you man so appreciate everything yeah, guys it's awesome so boys the uh long-awaited delivery came in the last few days of El Habano Moderno, the amazing encyclopedia and just vast amount of knowledge stuffed in printed pages. I forgot. Sorry. I was going to say this may, that these were coming. This may have been the best unintentional birthday gift I've received this year. I mean, amazing when we got these spectacular publication. I was shocked at the weight of that yeah. box and the quality was, though oh the quality it's amazing. really well done so yeah. long you know we've been talking about this i mean we mentioned cuban cigar website on every cuban episode i literally sit here with an ipad and we're constantly referencing this incredible website that alex groom runs uh, and he's been running for quite a bit of time um, and and he decided to put it together in a book which effectively is the successor to the minron knee book which is the Encyclopedia of Post uh, Havana Revolutionary Cigars. 
And that came out in 2002, I believe. So this covers pretty much everything after that book to current. And I mean, Alex Groom, again, what a brilliant job this guy did putting this book together. I mean, they must weigh 20 pounds <laughs> at least. Yeah, at least. I mean, I felt like a UPS truck driving around to you guys <laughs> to drop them off because it's like I needed a like a it, hand truck. Yeah, to bring I would need a house. hand truck to bring it in here tonight, you know? Um, so a couple different editions. I know we all got a variety of different editions. There's the regular red red book retail version, which is just a massive several hundred pages thick ass book. And then there's a blue version, which is the Kickstarter version. Uh, which some of us got. And then mm-hmm. there's a collector's edition, which is uh, broken into two parts. There's uh, like a background part, which kind of more so than the Minron Knee book goes into anatomy of the cigar, the industry, the presentation, the different things we talk about, packing codes, box stamps, seals, leaflets, different types of releases. So there's you know over 100 pages in that part of the book. And then the second part broken in, you know, in the collector's edition, there's a second book, just for the encyclopedia, which is very similar uh, to the Minron Nee book as far as just a picture description, all the details about every brand that's been out since 2002, 2003, uh, and every cigar that's been released since. And it's just yeah. a phenomenal production. It's spectacular. Yeah. The lithography is spectacular. And I, I, when I look through, um, because it's important, the markings of the band – how how cigars look, the appearance, things like that. The lithography was very very good in the book. The finishing is good, and um, and it's in the tradition of the Min Minrani approach, but but plus, yeah, which is which is really really nice. It's a lot looks. It's a it's had to it's. I don't know how many thousands of hours. I can't imagine how much time he, 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 he probably spent on this. put put into it, but it had to have been, it had to have been a couple of thousand hours it's, minimum. It's brilliant, and and what I love about it too, you know, we talked about we've talked about the Minron Nee book, which is you know prior to this was the, you know, uh, gold standard of Cuban cigar knowledge, uh, outside of the internet, and. Alex Groom is effectively Minron Nee's chosen successor. Minron Nee helped him with this book, allowed him to use any information from the prior book in this book. Like they, you know, he, he was an advisor to Alex um, among so many other people in the industry. But this thing is just, uh, it's such a gift to the cigar industry, the Cuban cigar industry. And understanding, you know, authentication, what's real, what's not, being able to literally hold your cigar up to the book because all of the pictures are life-size. Yeah, they're to scale. They're to scale. Yeah. So you can hold your cigar up to the book and it's a it's quite literal you know quite literally a match. And so if you have a Cohiba yeah. that's potentially fraudulent, you can hold it up and really <laughs> do a comparison. It's amazing. It's a deep dive Very into deep. into the expansive uh, information, man. Did this sell out? So they've sold out of the original collector's edition which was a white dress box type presentation with the two books in it. It actually looks like a like a, uh, a Habanos dress box. It even has like a, a warranty seal on it and some other stickers and whatnot. But uh, they are offering a second edition of the collector's edition, which is going to ship early next year, which is red, which I'm sure Senator will like because uh, he ordered the red one. Uh, but, but the blue Kickstarter edition is done. The original first mm-hmm. edition of the El Habano Moderno is done, but they do have on Helios.house, which is the publication 
that uh, the publication house he used to print them. They do have the pre-order of the second edition of the uh, collector's edition, and they also have a signed first edition, the Red Book, uh, still available. So you can go on Helios.house and purchase them. And the and, price? Uh, price on the first edition signed is 115 pounds, British pounds, and the collector's edition is 250 British pounds. So uh, Alex, he's he's British. Uh, he's actually Australian, but Australian. I believe that yeah, okay. I believe that I don't know if they use if they're in Canada or the UK or something, but for some reason they're pricing using uh using the pound. But so Alex is uh, I, he and I have been communicating. He's actually going to come on the podcast. And we're going to interview him about the book in the next few weeks. So, um, but I just when those books came in, it's been a year and a half I think since yeah. we ordered them. Uh, yeah, it's been a long journey waiting for these books, but certainly well worth it. And the thing I really appreciated, I'm sure you guys did too, is he included in all the shipments a copy of uh, an additional like leaflet book of all of the cigars that have been announced and released since he sent that to publication. So Very thoughtful detail. It was. It's really kind of, you know, it's really co quite complete. Do you think he would continue to add that each year? <clears throat> I believe that he's not planning to produce another version of this till 2027, you know, about five years after the original. But I think that there's going to be supplemental stuff that comes out because every year or two there's going to be, you know, probably 20 more pages of stuff. So, for example, the cigar we're smoking tonight, the Grand Marshal from El Rey del Mundo, this regional, is on page six of that additional leaflet. Yeah, it's really? not in the main book. That's cool. Yeah, because it was released after uh, it what's, came out. What's funny is like every time they announce a cigar and then it's, then it's like two or three years later, the actual cigar comes out. So, <laughs> what, I mean, what's the point of announcing Don't it so announce. early? Don't well, announce you know why they do that is because they make, demand. they make the distributors prepay mm. for regional allocation. So when they announce it, they're actually Habanos is actually getting paid for that regional well before it ever comes out. And then they're, you know, the nice interest-free loan. <laughs> <laughs> the distributor has to sit around and wait for. You know, it. that's true. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Same with Limitada or any sort of other uh, yeah, and special then, allocation. And then right, and then downstream uh, the LCDH just, uh, retailers um, and Habanos retailers only get allocation based on their pull through of. Of the uh, regular of the regular production yeah. cigars, so which is which is why the gray market exists. Yeah. yeah. So hence the incentive of producing more regionals because they get the money up front. Yeah, mm. or way up front, and it's certainly yeah. more per cigar. Yeah. Because they're counting on presentation, they're counting on smaller counts, they're counting on the second or third band really adding quote unquote value to the cigar. You know, which I mean, there's a lot of folks out there that buy into that. I I think the group of us <laughs> we don't buy into that we'd much like, rather I mean, regular production cigars it's but. hit or miss i mean you know it's good marketing i think the thing with the the book for me that i was really happy to see is the whole beginning obviously there's a ton of value in us understanding with all the different markets and all the different vitolas and everything that's being made currently but um the beginning really does i think a really nice job of diving into the process yes and i think our cuba episodes obviously there was so much knowledge that we gained in cuba about how this stuff is made the different types of leaves the blending process mm -hmm. the rolling process all of it the growing conditions and it goes into a lot of that and i think it did a really really nice job um you know also distinguishing between as we've talked a ton about like Cuba Tobacco, Habanos SA, and kind of all these different entities and who runs them and what they really mean to that whole process and who's really making certain decisions. 
I just think for anybody that is passionate about Cuban cigars, it's got almost everything you could possibly need to know to truly understand the magic that makes this possible. Yeah, and you know, if you if you have if you're fortunate enough to have the book and if you're even more fortunate to get to go to Cuba, you read up on that that process and you get to go and see it firsthand. It's just as rich of an experience to see it prior to getting the book. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, and I mean any any Cuban cigar enthusiast out there needs a copy of this book. Yeah. Because, you know, as Senator said, there's so much to learn in the first hundred and some odd pages, mm -hmm. just in the process, the factories. The detail. I mean, there's oh. pictures of a cigar cut up. You know, they, he cut up a cigar and you can see the different leaves broken out. I mean, unless you're taking one of your Habano cigars and doing that at home, mm -hmm. which at the current price I wouldn't advise doing, you know, you, you can open that book and, and really see what's in the cigar that yeah, you're smoking. That's, yeah. that's one way to detect a fake. <laughs> yeah. I and mean, all these guys will remember, we're sitting there at El Aguido yeah, in Havana. That. And talking to the production manager there, yeah, Danilo. <laughs> Danilo, and he's telling us, "Didn't he hold on? Didn't he split open a bahique? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine like a, <laughs> a two hundred plus dollar cigar just cuts it open with a knife right on the table right there?" And he says, "Anybody ever gives you a bahique, and and you want to know for certain whether it's bullshit or not? So you don't even need a band on there to tell." He says, "Just cut that thing open. Oh yeah, and you're looking at all the long <laughs> filler that's actually in there, and those whole leaves." And you'd instantly be able to tell. And he said, what's remarkable about these fakes is he's cut some of these fakes open that people have said, you know, is this real or not? And he sliced it open to really be able to dissect it. He says, remarkably now, he said, years ago, you'd cut it open. It's all short filler inside. You'd, you'd spot it in a heartbeat. He says, now you'll actually see a good amount of long filler in that's there. True. And you really got to dig around and then you start to see the short filler. So, I mean, that's. Again, yep. you don't <laughs> to, to cut open. What a did he say when he cut it? Though he said uh, it's like I'm. What he said something like it's a, a burial. It's like I'm cutting <laughs> yeah, open my heart. Yeah, or, yeah. it's like a. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, for the science of it, uh, he he gave us a good demonstration. Uh, so you know what's cool about uh, regional editions, and again, going back to El Habano Moderno, which I have a copy of here, I learned actually some things about the regional edition program that I wasn't aware of. So what happens is. Uh, the distributor of a certain large region. So we're talking maybe in the world there's 12 or 15 distributors that then distribute to the, you know, the La Casa del Habanos or the Habano specialists or other retailers out there. The distributor approaches Habanos SA with the concept for a cigar. They ask for approval. Uh, and then the cigars are only cigars that have never been produced in the marca in that Vitola. So for example, in... El Rey del Mundo, there will never be a Hermosas number no. four regional edition because the Schwa Supreme exists. So there'll probably never be a Lonsdale because in the past there's been a Lonsdale in that in that brand. So they only select Vitolas that have never been produced by that by that markup. The other thing that's cool too, he says in here, is that the the distributor is uh, sent three different prototype cigars with different blend options. And then they're able to smoke them and choose which of the three they prefer. And the three that they're getting are based on the concept that they've presented? Exactly. The size and I guess the blending decisions are made by whoever's in charge profile, of the, right? who, who's yeah. ever in charge of the market. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, wow. and that tells you why a lot of these, some of these smaller, um, what you'd want to call either regional or, or portfolio um, markets within the catalog, that's why they're doing, they're doing regional releases because when you've got a global market that produces a, a, a million vitolas there's nothing I, there there's nothing there for a regional <laughs> yeah. release yeah. 
So El Rey, so if you're, if you're going to do regionals, El Rey de Mundo is a marca, is 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 that kind of a marca. Lagoria Cubana is another one. Lagoria Cubana is another one. Yeah. So, you know, there, there it's, um, Partagas has a lot of sizes. Yeah, they do. Um, so, and Cohiba has a lot of sizes. It's not. So it, it, there's a there, there, there's a method to the madness, I guess, is what I'm trying to is what the point that you're making. Absolutely, um, and and certainly, I would think that you know when Kai Dorsey, let's say, puts out a French regional, that's going to be a very successful cigar in that market. I mean, the, the French smokers are going are going to of course buy that up. So you know they're able to do that across the world in in various distribution areas. Um, you know, to, to, to bolster sales. QD is another great example of, of, of an elevated kind of an elevated non-global, non-global brand. Yeah. Certainly for the European market. Yeah. It's an elevated cigar. I mean, I, I agree. And it's funny when you look at the brands that QD is kind of lumped in with, it's like brands that have so few Vitolas and that I feel like don't have the same brand cachet that QD does at this point. It's honestly surprising. I mean, there are a number of different QD Vitolas that we regularly smoke. Oh, yeah. Right. The Cronus Claros. Obviously, I love the QD 50. Number yeah. of us love the QD 54. Like they make multiple Vitolas that we regularly consume a lot of. So, you know, I'd almost hope over some time that certain brands, I hope that that's not like a static thing. And it clearly hasn't historically because we talked about how Kuaba was apparently initially designed to be this premier brand yeah. up there with Cohiba. They wanted it to be a global brand. Which is right. crazy to think about now. But obviously this is so fluid that at one point that's where they started and now they're this small little portfolio brand. Mm -hmm. But you know, some of these others, I just hope that this is fluid over time because I would like to see an LGC, a QD, some of the brands that we really enjoy. I mean, even this El Rey del Mundo that we're, we're enjoying this cigar. We love the Schwa Supreme. I'd love for them to have an opportunity to get elevated in that kind of classification. Yeah. And, and the global brands put out Limitadas. I mean, you yep. know, so it's really, I think this regional, the Limitada thing, it's, it's LCDH releases. It's all just kind of marketing to, to you know, introduce something that's outside of regular production, and they put a band on it. And whether it's a, whether it's a Limitada or whether it's a regional, it's and and what's the, the diff? The it's, thing that we learned in Cuba, certainly that, that I've fallen in love with unbanded cigars, is that it's all the same tobacco. Yeah. yeah. There, there's really not a special process. I know some of the Limitadas may have some age. Certainly mm -hmm. the Reservas, Grand Reservas have some age on that tobacco, but it's all the same tobacco with just a different band on the outside. Or not yeah. a band. Or not a band. Yeah. And Which some is, of the Anahatos are great, and yeah. some of them aren't. Yep. Right. Yeah. So the other thing I wanted to mention, too, again, learning from El Habano Moderno, is that if a distributor wishes to have a special primary band foil wrapping or any other unique packaging outside of normal Habanos packaging, they must commission those packaging decisions themselves and pay for them and then send them the Cuba tobacco to be put on the cigars. They oh have to pay for it. goodness, really? Yeah. Wow. So some of those, uh, you know, your Phoenicia anniversary or Pacific Cigar 50-year anniversary, um, they have to pay for those bands and send them to Cuba. Wow. You know, ultimately, I think ultimately, like net-net on the whole conversation, they're successful sometimes with these things, and they're not sometimes. And it's, it's, very just, and it's a, just a lot of trial and error 
Sometimes these Anahatos, we've had the Upman Anahato and Robusto. Oh, shit. It's, it's, it's like one of the best cigars that ever. Is ever. And then, that is an incredible right, cigar. Then, it's an incredible cigar, right? And then, but then you have other Anahatos that you're like, what the, what the, what the fuck is this thing? Yeah. And then you have a Limitada that's, that's really good and generally not as much luck. Some of them are great. And then some of them aren't. And you're just like, I don't see the big, I don't see the big whoop. And then, you know what I mean? So it's just all trial and error. Totally. It, this is why I don't love the regional program at all. Yeah. I mean, number one, if the whole purpose is to introduce these certain cigars to a particular region, that whole premise is bullshit. The cigar, we're smoking a cigar that's meant for the Balkans here in the United States, right? Like these cigars make it everywhere. They're, they're not just for any region. So I think the whole premise that we're releasing cigars for certain regions is completely flawed from the yeah, start because it, they go everywhere. It's not really for it that. It makes region. no sense, honestly. I mean, how many Italians are smoking the um, Punch Mantua, the Mantua <laughs> versus every other country? I mean, yeah. everyone's trying to get their hands on those. It's not just in Italy, so yeah. that is problematic for me. And the even bigger thing is how many of those cigars, as Poop is saying, are a miss versus the few that are a hit. I wish that they would just focus on the ones they're making prototypes. They're obviously trying these and making decisions. Focus on the ones that are great and make them part of the regular production, production. portfolio. Yeah. Yeah. Like this cigar we are smoking, if this was part of El Rey Del Mundo's regular standard production portfolio, I'd buy it oh, and yeah. I'd smoke it regularly. Oh, yeah. I think this is a great cigar. I just wish and it's the a great oven, size. But, 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 they the may not, but they may not have the raw material for the blend. They do because it's all coming from the same place. It kind of is. They're, they bullshit us when they tell us that there's something special in these. I'm telling you, when Gizmo <laughs> says we're talking to people making this stuff in Havana, <laughs> no, and they're you. being totally blunt with us and saying, look, as much as there's all this hype about these regional limits, it's the same There's no difference. stuff. Yeah. No, no, the no, only cigars the that have a different, different tobacco is in Cohiba. Them are the Bihikas. Just the yeah. Bihikas. That's, that's, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Because of Medio Tiempo. That's it. Yeah, that's right. That's um, it. But I, I really believe that. I just would love to see that. Like, you know, that Upman Anahatos, there is not an Upman Robusto that exists that I can regularly buy and smoke. I love Upman. But I wish it wasn't the case that the things that I chase all the time with Upman that are standard production, obviously the Upman number two, I would love that Anahatos. I don't care if it doesn't have 10 plus years of age that now, I mean, the last time they released, what, 2011, right? I yeah. just got another box of those. I would love if there's a young box that comes up, I'll happily age it myself, and I would love to, in perpetuity, be able to smoke a great Upman Robusto. Yeah. What's interesting about the some of the Anahatos line, which is totally different than the regional Limitadas, is... You look at the H. Upman uh, Robusto Anahatos, that's not a cigar that was ever in regular production for uh, for H. Upman. Even the Royal Robusto, I think, is a different size. And that has an LCDH sticker on it, or you know, a band on it, the it additional that's band. That's not a regular Robusto. That's, and that's not a regular Robusto. So what's interesting is that that cigar specifically is was never a regular production cigar. But that's a, isn't that's that a Hermosos? Is that a Probably. Yeah, it's I probably so. something like that. Mm -hmm. I don't remember smaller. what it is. Yeah. It's slightly smaller. But I mean, for a brilliant cigar, it's not a cigar that you can go out like the uh, Romeo Julieta Churchill Anahatos. You can go out and buy a box of 2023 cigars and age them if you so choose, fine. But that H. Upman that you're talking about, you can't go yeah, buy one. You can't. And I just think it's a shame. I yeah. would love a regular production yeah. Upman Robusto the same way I would love a regular production of what we're smoking yeah, right now. Yeah. Yeah. And expanded. El Rey del Mundo so catalog. The yep, one thing yep. that we have seen, and I, I think we've talked about this on a prior regional episode, but sometimes when a regional is very successful, 
like the punch man Tua. I anticipate based on what I'm, you know, I've learned from the book here and, and seeing other regionals be re-released, they keep producing them. So they say, Oh, there's a limited production initially. And then they continue to continue to put them out because the distributor has done well selling them. Hmm. So it, it well, becomes when a Puba said 6,000 boxes. You mean 12, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, We've seen some of them that have been more successful than others. Certainly on the groups, you see regionals that are really chased. And I think this is going to be one that uh, yeah. that joined those ranks. Yeah, one, wonderful. This is this was a wonderful cigar. It is. Uh, what was the box data? It was uh, 22. 22. Yeah, mid-22. I mean. Yeah. Great cigar. Yeah. So the other, the other thing I want to note uh, before we, uh, before we get to our ratings is that Coincidentally, in 2019, the regional program was curtailed for a year, so they didn't announce any new cigars in 2019. Obviously, the Mantua came out in 2019. I think that was announced in 17 or 18. They were preparing for COVID before COVID. (laughs) Well, they know everything. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. They see all. Uh, But they curtailed it for a year because so many of the releases has been slipping to like a two to three year delay, and then COVID happened, obviously, and pushed it back even further. So... um, yeah, COVID undid their effort to try to catch up. They, their goal was to make it a year in advance, but it ended up being two to three mm. and sometimes four. Mm. And there's certain cigars that Habanos has announced that I don't think are ever going to see the light of day. I have to say, there was something in the book that I came across that was very bizarre. This is the only thing that I was like <laughs> genuinely shocked by when this I read is crazy. in El Habano Moderno. <laughs> and I respect this book so much at this point that I... I think we have, we have to, to try, try this yeah. with our shittiest cigar in our humidor because I would never want to ruin a great cigar. Let's get a cigar out of Bam's humidor. I was, I'm shaking my head. No, that ain't happening. But listen to do this. On the Maybe funny. we try Zeno. Listen to this. There you go. <laughs> listen to this excerpt from the book. It says, perhaps the most extreme example of preparing a stored cigar for smoking is the practice of holding a cigar, particularly an old cigar. We are not doing this with an old cigar unless it's a Zeno. Under a running tap of water for 10 seconds before cutting and lighting it. This is far from a widely accepted technique. However, your author does it regularly, as do many great aficionados. Although there is some debate about what exactly takes place during this process, the consensus seems to be that it improves the evenness of the burn of the cigar and at least that it does no harm. Okay, can I, can I say something? This, I've heard of this before. Min Rodney does this, by the way. Wow. Yeah. That's... So, um, the he's what's the guy's name on the internet who does the Dave dude, Dave dude. <laughs> you guys know the guy I'm talking about. He, he he has he has a lot of vintage, really really old cigars. His name's Dave dude. Google Google the Google him real quick. I want to say I've. I've heard him talk about this with that it's to do that he's done this with really, really, really I've it's not the first time I've heard this. I'm talking with like twenty plus right? He's this is this refers to twenty plus year old Yeah, it's old stuff. Old, oh old, 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 old stuff. Wow, very yeah. bizarre. So let's take the rarest cigars you can find and put them <laughs> under the tap. Sure. <laughs> wow. I, I don't think they're running the, like like down Ten the seconds. foot. Ten seconds. I, I'm saying right. like or, like oh, just on the wrapper. Mm. 
I've, it's not the first time that I've heard this. I've never heard this. It's not the first time I've heard this. Now, hold on. Does the connoisseur corner rooster do this? Oh, yeah, all yeah, the time. All right. <laughs> um, he also does it with tequila, by the way. Well, I was about to say, Arnold. Yeah, he, he does it. He rubs down his cigars with his tequila. Maybe he's not wrong. We have to do this. I'm sorry. I we just, have to do it now. Like Puba. I've maybe heard this we'll before. Do it. Maybe it we'll do it crazy. when Alex Groom comes on. We can ask him about this, and then yeah. we can do this with him and, and experiment. Maybe he can show us Here's the problem it. I have with it, is running it under the tap. Like, why wouldn't you get a gallon of distilled water yeah. and use that versus just opening the sink and just... <laughs> yeah, some nice county water. <laughs> <laughs> Add some minerality. They would. <laughs> Another thing. Some fluoride. I mean, it'll be I'm great. I'm getting notes of lead. Dioxin. I've been doing this. My dentist says my teeth look great. This PFAS note I'm getting is amazing. Wow. Yeah. So El Habano Moderno, if you don't have a copy of it, go. if you haven't ordered it, go purchase it. Please. Here we, here, here we go. I, I, I have it actually right here. If you So this guy, Dave Dude, is is a respected guy right here why do i put a vintage cigar underwater no i know there's plenty of people that do this i just think they're nuts but uh, you know don't knock it till you try it so we have to try it wow there was a whole discussion on foh about this actually yeah, yeah. a big time discussion yeah. i wonder if you're saturating the the wrapper or... Oh, are you in the bathroom right now <laughs> he's talking about it the burn also seems to be quite a bit better with the cigar as well once i run it into the water so those are some of the reasons that i do he's not it. a maniac i'm telling you um and as an example i believe i was uh smoking the dunhill estipendo a dunhill he's a couple of gentlemen we were smoking uh some 20 year old san los rays and i wow. ran mine into the water cigars. and they didn't and uh, it was a windy day we were smoking outside and my cigar burned spot on I didn't have any issues, and the other two gentlemen did have issues. So anyway, so what I'm wow. what, what I'm trying to say is is that it's not with stuff that it. This guy's not a lunatic. Well, here's my issue with it. Here's my issue with it. My He's issue not. my issue with it is that I don't think that I would put a vintage cigar that I have, I have in my humidor. Maybe I don't have as many as Dave Dude does, or somebody somebody else, or as as, as much as Rooster maybe. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I seriously, I don't think I would pull a 20, 30-year-old cigar no, out. not to start. But clearly, if we try this craziness and it works, then sure, I, I mean, I'd have no hesitation with anything. But would you but literally walk in that bathroom right now and pour it under the no, tap? No, I'd bring like some nice water. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. how many, yeah. how, how many avions. 20, some avions. <laughs> <laughs> but how some many Icelandic? 20, how many 20 or 30-year-old Dunhills or whatever no. do we have? This this guy has like crazy old I just stuff. I just handed... Uh, Senator for his birthday, a twenty-year-old Partagas eight nine eight, and the Let, first that, thing I thought of when I saw it is, I can't wait to run this underwater and then smoke it. <laughs> we want to see that. Yeah, please do it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, no, I'm not saying that he's crazy. I'm just saying that it's so unorthodox. Uh, it's so unorthodox. Yeah. And what's yeah. funny, you know, calling back a hundred episodes ago, this was an episode one discussion, I think, with Arnold Schwarzenegger, mm -hmm. if you yeah. remember, about him yeah. pouring tequila yeah. on his cigars. This is, it's just, I, I'm not making fun of the guy. I'm not saying he's crazy or wrong. I'm just saying for me, I can't imagine taking a prized possession out of my humidor and walking in and pouring it under the sink. I know, but again, he's doing it with prized possessions because clearly it works it for works him. It works for him, yes. So that's why I want to try it with something shitty. Now, if it works and it's amazing, then sure, I wouldn't hesitate to do it with anything. 
but we've got to just kind of you know <laughs> try this out and see how it goes. So and I think did you notice the on the video, like the way he was holding the cigar was was with the cap side up? Yes, right? and then he, that's correct. Right. He explains yeah. it, and it's pre-cut. It's pre-cut. It's not yeah, because it's, yeah, it's no, it's not. It's before the cut. Yeah, it's before because it's meant to run down the whole thing, the but not go into the cigar. Right, right. and well, the, foot, he, the foot stays dry. He's got yeah. a minute left. You want to hear what he has to say? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, just put it close to the mic. Smoking a cigar out in the wind, there. It's, uh, it's going to make it so it doesn't canoe every single time. But I've had, I've had really good luck with this, and um, you know, my wrapper doesn't crack as much. And I, my smoking experience seems to be a lot better. So, um, like I said, with a cigar that's, you know, 15 years old and up, uh, I normally run it under the water and do a five-second to six-second dunk under the water uh, with the head, of course, up and the foot down. And I don't even wipe the water off anymore. A longtime vintage smoker told me I don't need to do that. I just hold it under the water for five or six seconds. And um, then I either cut or punch the cigar and then light the cigar. And the water dissipates, uh, gets absorbed into the wrapper or whatever. Within 30 seconds to a minute and a half to two minutes, uh, that all of that water that's on the outside of the wrapper just dissipates and goes away. So um, anyway, for me, it enhances my smoking experience. If you haven't tried it, um, I think you should, at least once or twice, and see if it helps wow. you. Um, and that's all I'm saying. So uh, anyway... I have rambled on enough about this. Okay, so the other thing that's crazy to me too is is taking that cigar outside and smoking it. Like yeah. he's can, not a lunatic. I'm not. No, no, I'm not saying he's a lunatic. I'm just saying this is just so opposite it's, of what I would do. Well, it's the opposite. I, but of I'm what willing we, to try it. All yeah. If, if I mean, Min Ronnie, Alex Groom, and this point. guy are saying to try it, yeah. I'm willing to try. We've it. We've had this conversation. It took me reading this in this book. From an author that I respect, obviously, mm-hmm. he knows what he's talking about. You read that book, it's impossible to think otherwise. The fact that he's doing it is the first time in my life that knowing that people do this, I've said, I have to try it. Yeah, there's yeah. some and validation to it. I am dying it, yeah. to try this. Now hearing this on top of it, wow. this guy's putting 20-year-old Dunhills under the, I mean, <laughs> we have to do it. So I'm that just means, so curious. That means Rooster needs to give us 2,003 cigars because <laughs> they have to be old. And you have more old stock than anyone here. <laughs> it's very true. I'll try it first. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but just you know just to comment on that right like I was in uh, Colombia, and uh, you know we met uh, another one of the lizard listeners over there, and we were talking about this uh, that we were smoking some new worlds over there, and in the heat and the humidity it was great. You mm-hmm. know you do get a lot more flavor when the cigars get a little bit more humid. Sometimes it draws a bit tighter, but having said that, the flavor profile somewhat feels a little more intense and I, you know i i'm yeah. not saying that hey listen i've tried water but i do know that certain cigars at least when they're a bit humid taste a little more flavorful so I, to, to your point I, I i was watching a video the other day i think i sent it to you guys of uh davidoff of london the sahakians uh eddie and edward what they said is that for their old stock and these guys have more old cigars maybe than anyone in the world in their in their in their humidor they try to store them at like 60% humidity, cold and, and dry. And then prior to smoking, they try to bring them up closer to 65, 68 to reintroduce moisture to the cigars. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's kind of like everything's kind of lining, lining up, up that, to this. Yeah. That this is maybe not crazy. My hypothesis as an amateur is if you have a heavily aged cigar that's been sitting, like you say, at 60% humidity, 
when you run the water on it, the saturation takes place on the wrapper only. It that water's not getting into the binder and into the filler. It's the wrapper. So I guess if you're rehydrating the wrapper that's been sitting around for so long, it may make sense. There's yeah. some validity to that. Certainly, Possibly. as he said Possibly. about cracking and whatnot. Yeah, you know, it keeps tunneling. From cracking. Yeah, and that'll happen on a very dry cigar. You know sure. that. Yeah. Well, I'm sure. sure some of the water is being a bit, uh, you know, getting into the cigar. Uh, yeah, I think beyond the wrapper, unlikely, but I don't know. That's I, a, I can't wait to do this. I'm, yeah, we got to try it. Serious. We got to try it. Have we got to figure out a cigar to do that's like a low risk cigar. And and I think we need to smoke them dry. Is that twenty year old uh, Cohiba, <laughs> <laughs> you know, smoke them dry, and then and then do the same cigar under the under the under the water and see how it does. Hmm. Hmm. Sounds like I mean, if Minron Nee, Andrew Groom, this guy Dave, dude, Puma's face is like alive right now. <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> if these these are guys who have more vintage experience. Like really, really old than cigars anybody, yeah. than, 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 than most. It's, it's worth so. it. It's mm. worth it's worth the worth trying. Worth the trying. Yeah. 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 Sorry, I got distracted for a minute. Pagoda turned the thrusters on in the spaceship <laughs> and he just jetted over to Mars. Yeah, he elevated about three feet off the couch. <laughs> what's going on with your lighter, dude? I don't know what's going on. I, I you know, I recently bought the lighter because it's got the flat flame. I said, you know, this is gonna be interesting because you're supposed to essentially like kind of paint it uh he still has know, the like uh, the sticker UPC on sticker you <laughs> still got on the back. It's, it's been two weeks. He might have stolen a, this. A true connoisseur. <laughs> it's been two weeks and it's dead already. All right. Oh man. All right, boys. So we're coming to the end of our evening here. What are you guys thinking about the uh, the cigar, the wine? Great experience overall. Yeah. Yeah. I think both were very very good. I thought the champagne really elevated the second half of the cigar as it's well. True. It's true. Yeah, I thought I thought both were very good. Pleasantly surprised with this cigar. Oh yeah, me too. Beyond beyond my expectations. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think Cabanos is doing something right in their blending with these new cigars. Yeah. I, I, do we give Do we give credit to the Chinese? I, I'm just <laughs> Please, I'm just kidding. All right. Just a quick thing as we're thinking about how all this is paired. Now that we've had the champagne as a bit of a palate cleanser, try the wine again. I did. I thought it was very good. Mm. I think it's even better. Yeah. Yeah, I did the same. Oh, it's actually sweeter. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. That's what I'm saying. I just think like we came into this. I mean, I won't lie. I had a little bit of uh, uh, scotch before we hit record. and <laughs> It is I your birthday. The, You're allowed. It is my birthday. Exactly. <laughs> and I think just, you know, some of the sweetness that comes from any whiskey, really, it was a shock to my palate how dry the wine was in contrast to that. We're mm -hmm. now having the champagne to kind of reset my palate. I feel like the the wine is more balanced than when it first started, and I, I think it's actually pairing really well. Agreed. It also it probably opened up while it was sitting in your glasses. That too. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. So, you guys ready to do the formal liquor rating on the 2012 Quill Cabernet? Yeah, Bam yeah. Bam, you're up. Um, I'm going to give it an eight. Okay. Honestly, like it was again. The, my initial sip was uh, took me by surprise, but as I went through it, I enjoyed it. Pagoda. Don't, <laughs> I'll tell you now it is tasting a bit sweeter. It's great, actually. It's not as dry. Uh, I'm enjoying it a lot more now. I and I don't know why. And I'm telling right. you, your palate's reset. It's uh, um, well, I'm going I was back. gonna give it a six. I, I think it's uh, definitely moved up to a seven considering the beginning. Now, if I were to rate it just in the end, I would like to rate it an eight, but I, I don't know. I'm a bit confused here. Um, seven with the original thought, okay. Senator. Um, <clears throat> I'm at a firm eight. 
I think the I think it's it's actually fairly well balanced. I'm now like this is the perfect kind of speed of what many Howl Mountain cabs should drink like, which is some of those fruit forward notes, but some of the minerality that Ben was talking about and and just overall a balanced wine. The only reason that I can't give it a nine or ten that just really that's the one thing I'm confused about is it just lacks the structure that a typical Howl Mountain wine should have. And I suspect it's a product of the year, but that obviously factors into the rating. So I'm at an eight. Would I drink it again? Yes. But would I pursue it? And, you know, would it, is, are you, am I going to find this in my cellar? Probably not. With that price point, I think it's, it's a tough. That, and that's, well, the, that's another yeah, thing. That's Sorry. the problem for me. Yeah. No, no, no. It's actually, so what I have to say, when Pagoda says the price, you know, one of the things, the price is commensurate with the experience in the sense that for a single estate bottle of Howl Mountain Cab, with this kind of age on it, at $110, you cannot find mm. anything in Howell Mountain that's as fresh as 2020 at the earliest, but even 21 or definitely 22, that's what you'd be paying entry level for anything in Howell Mountain. The fact that this has over a decade of age on it and is still being sold at that price point, I looked it up, you're exactly right. I, I think it, it it's a recognition that this probably wasn't their best year. It's a very pleasant drinking bottle, but it's not necessarily something that you would pair with a great meal that has the structure to hold up against it. So I actually think the price for a single estate Howl Mountain Cab is is commensurate with the experience, but that's because, you know, that starts at a high price point and they've made this, they've kept this at the lowest end of that to reflect, I think, the year. Hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. And for all those reasons, it's kind of a seven for me. I'm, I'm, it, this isn't a wine. There's so many other wines that I would choose to drink um, over this. It, it just didn't have the level of the structure. It didn't have the structure. It didn't have <clears throat> really the body that I'm looking for. I, I appreciate the style, um, but it's to me it didn't, doesn't exemplify. I think there's there's probably better examples of the style of wine kind of a bordeaux style style cab, cab you know cab that i i would drink over this so for me it's a seven i mean i'm not uh, you know it's a 2012 bottle it's priced the way it's priced because of all the reasons that senator stated so it's a seven for me i wouldn't pursue it not at that price point I, I if if you offered me a case of this or a case i i drink jordan all day over this you know what I mean? All day, every day, and twice on Sunday. I just, as pedestrian as that may sound. No, it's fair. Yeah, so I, I, I kind of started between a seven and an eight. After I had the champagne, even before you mentioned that I finished my glass, I actually thought it was way better after we had the Bollinger. It, it kind of moved between an eight and nine, so I'm, I'm kind of settling at an eight. You know, I think the price point, you know, it is not bad for how old it is. I did wish that it had more legs than it did. It's unfortunate that it, that it didn't, but it's an eight for me. But so the question is: Are you paying three hundred dollars for this in a restaurant, or are you buying a bottle of Jordan? Of course, you're buying the bottle yeah. of Jordan. No, there's no question. You know there are better values. Yeah. Nothing. To like, just be clear, nothing that anyone has said I disagree with at all. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. yeah, I just. So the former liquor rating boys on the Quill 2012 Cabernet Sauvignon is a seven point six. Okay, that's fair. Which I think is yeah. the right score. Cool for how this performed tonight. Cool. So you guys ready to do the formal lizard rating on the El Rey del Mundo Grand Marshal Edición Regional Balcani? Rooster, you're up. Yeah. 
I mean, good cigar. I mean, I would definitely recommend it to anybody who would like to try one. It's got good aging potential. I think this will really develop into a really good cigar. Give it a couple of years. Uh, for all the all those reasons, I'm at an eight. Hmm. Okay, Puba. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get a picture of this. Send it. <laughs> um, Come on, I gotta take a piss. <laughs> relax. Um, I'm kind of between like an eight and a nine. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm between. I'm. I'm kind of. <laughs> nines are tough to give out, but I'm leaning a little bit towards nine because. Do it. I'm leaning a little bit towards nine. No influence. Give the people what they I'm, want. I'm, le- I'm leaning a little bit towards nine because of just the construction, the combustion, the burn, the consistent flavor profile. It was a little bit of a two act play. I'm just breaking it down. Like it developed towards the end and it, it, it built into something, not in a superly dramatic way, but it did, it did present itself differently in the second half. It's kind of a two act cigar. Um, it was really pleasant. There was no bitter. I, I got to give it a nine. I mean, I, I, right. I, 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 it really performed well, and um, I, it's an, I think it's a nine. So for it's me. A, it's definitely a nine for me. I think the thing that kept it at a nine and and did not pull it down to an eight, which. By the way, on the light, I was still expecting it to be pulled down in the last third. It wasn't well, with some youth or some harshness right, it wasn't. or yeah. some bitterness or some ammonia, something Nothing. that indicated that the cigar is only a year old out of Cuba, and none of that happened. None of that happened. And maybe it's the ring gauge, maybe it's the, you know, it's the pack, it's the the blend. I don't know what it is, but it stayed excellent yeah. the entire way through the cigar. All what? Almost an hour and 35 minutes of it long smoke um it it was a really 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 good cigar so i'm going with a nine for sure senator so i've been in the exact same camp where i've been debating between eight and a nine pretty much the whole way through and i have reached a similar conclusion as the last two that i'm rounding up to a nine i think the construction and burn obviously flawless um i give a lot of credit to wherever this was rolled but the blend was really elegant all the way through. And I think it's very rare that for a young cigar to describe as elegant, and that's the word that comes to mind first and foremost with this cigar. I really liked the floral notes. I thought it was really nicely balanced with some of the sweetness, some of the minerality. There was just enough complexity that it stayed interesting to me all the way through. And I was just thinking of, we say this a lot, like where would this slot in for me? And Someone mentioned, you know, QD. I think maybe Puba said it. Did you mention it was like a QD in an Upman? And I think also Rooster mentioned a QD. And, you know, I I like the QD 54. I I have smoked plenty of those. This would slot in ahead of a QD 54 for me. Yeah. So, like, for me, it rounded up very easily to a nine because there is an exact place that I would would have this cigar and enjoy it. And uh, it edges out a cigar that I already enjoy very often. So I'm, I'm at a nine and I'm really glad we did this again as someone who shits on regionals all the time. This is a, one of the rare few examples of an excellent regional for me. Yeah. I would have loved to have shit on this regional. 
<laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. it would have, would have been my pleasure to do it. <laughs> I'm totally with you. I mean, like, like the band means nothing to me. Right. <laughs> Pagoda. Yeah, uh, this is this is an interesting one. I like it's. Uh, you know, I know you you guys talked about a little bit of the citrusy flavor. I was trying to uh, really uh, um, understand the flavor because I've experienced it before. I don't know. I was associating with some drink before. I couldn't figure out exactly what it was. But I think uh, we had smoked a cigar and we had talked about the orange marmalade kind of, you know, the orange rind kind of flavor. It's got a little bit of bitterness, but it's a little citrusy. It was very, very pleasant. Let's put it this way. Um, for me, I really, really enjoyed it. It is definitely one of the cigars I would like to go. You know, I'm really trying to understand how my flavor profile is changing. Uh, you know, obviously, Ras is something I really, really love. Um, you know, there's a slightly different floral saltiness to some of the Cubans, which I call the Cubanesque flavor. I didn't get that particular flavor, but it was very, very enjoyable. Slightly different floral, citrusy, slightly the orange rind kind of. I couldn't place it, uh, flavors, but very, very pleasant experience. And I think with the champagne, I enjoyed it more with the champagne for sure. Uh, I would rate it at the nine. Okay. Bam. Yeah, I'm also at a nine. I found what's unusual about this, it, the, there's a proportion to the density and the weight, which is unusual. It felt and smoked like a dense cigar, but it was light in the hand. That's unusual. And as you draw, it was so creamy and smooth and elegant, but I found it to be a very complex cigar. And the citrus notes for me were right there, nine. You know, And the price, I've kind of backed away from it. I would spend $350 on this box. Yeah, I, I would. would too. Oh, yeah. No doubt. So the former Lizard rating, boys, is an 8.8. Great Which score. I think is a great score. Also, I want to say, like, I gave it an 8 because I want to give it some room, like, in about four to five years. Maybe it does become a 9 for me. It could. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's why... I, I have to say though, I I was genuinely shocked by Rooster's rating. That's and, well, that's uh, why I paused <laughs> for yeah. a second. I'm saying uh, I was I was looking for a little bit. I, more, I say this for one I, reason and one reason only. I think floral notes, you of any of us mm-hmm. really chase and pursue LGC. That's why you love that marca. So honestly, when I when we lit this cigar, the first thing that popped into my head before even a flavor note was Rooster. Yeah. Well, yeah. I literally said to myself, I was like, he's going to love this cigar. It's super floral. So I was a little surprised by the eight. I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down because as Pagoda was talking about it, I'm saying to myself, this is like a different kind of, I, I was expecting you to give it an eight. Yeah, because because your power alley is 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 kind of c- cigars that pack a little bit more oomph that have Correct. a little bit more lajero, or, or uh, you love d- d- big Nicaraguan cigars, you love those, a- and and Rooster tends to like these floral cigars. Like when I think of this cigar, it's like a hybrid almost between. It had a little bit of upman at the end, but it was like a QD and an LGC up front. With these floral notes, and then it got desserty at the end, and I'm thinking, I was thinking, Rooster's gonna really, this is gonna really like this cigar, and it was distinctive in its presentation. It 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 was defined. There it wasn't muddled. It didn't pack a lot of power, but it packed a lot of flavor and complexity. Yeah. And I thought that that was a merit, yeah. That, oh. You know, in this thing, and and uh, anyway, I, I was so I was very 
surprised that actually I would have thought the ratings the would have been opposite. I, I was kind of in between an eight and a nine, but just being that this is a, such a fresh cigar, so I think the potential in about a few years, it, it will be a nine. What Puba said, though, was very telling. It Because his power alley is so strong. Right. I thought he would be at an eight. No, but, yeah. but what he said, it's this is a unique cigar. So his flavor, is cha- his flavor profile he's is evolving, changing. But, but also it speaks <laughs> to the whole, like, No, I think it speaks to the merit of the cigar. That's what the I'm, thing. Yeah, yeah that, let me finish, exactly. let me finish Jack, what I'm saying. Ahead. So what he was saying, it's, it's very unique, right? It's a light. You, you smoke it, it's a very light cigar, but very flavorful. It's in that flavor delivery in a very cr- smooth, creamy way that captured Pagoda, and and yeah. I that's like why to, he gave it. A I nine. like that size. You know, you know, it was it's a very, very good size. By yeah. the way, yeah, it's a great love, ring gauge. It's great. a great ring gauge. It feels really good. The smoke output was great. The construction was great. Everything was just positive all the way through. Now, when I started off, you know, when I got those flavors, you this is you know, Puba, you said distinctive notes, very distinctive notes, like. It's like if you smoke this, you will feel it. Yeah, you'll a, taste something. You may not be able to identify it, but you'll taste something yeah. which is very pleasant. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the one thing I really liked about it was because I was a bit worried that hey, it may be too mild for me. But I think it delivered more like a medium cigar for me as opposed to a mild cigar. Yeah, even yeah. though and from I, the point I, of view flavor. Really explain, and yeah, I thought yeah. It, I, yeah. yeah, it had had a very rich flavor to it. Yeah, for oh, me, yeah. I, what I take away honestly from a size thing and and. Puba's going to think I'm crazy here. But if you were to go and, and get the same exact Genio size, the Robusto Extra, the Connoisseur A, to smoke that at a year old, as we did tonight on this cigar, a Connoisseur A needs a lot of time, as a yeah. lot of Upman does. So, mm-hmm. you know, at a similar price point, maybe the Connie A is a little cheaper, maybe in the mid-20s. But for a few extra bucks, I wouldn't smoke that Connie A at a year old this cigar performed brilliantly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like this slots in perfectly as a Robusto Extra. To Pagoda's point, it's a great size, feels really good in the hand. I think this is a win-win. I think my takeaway just from everybody's commentary that I think has been excellent in just trying to make sense of this cigar is that there is something in the cigar for everybody. And yes. there's not a ton of cigars that we always say that about. I think like Puba said, I also thought that Pagoda would probably be an eight. I thought Rooster might be at a nine. And the fact that Pagoda is feeling just as strong about this cigar as some of us that don't necessarily pursue as full of cigars as Pagoda does, mm-hmm. like it doesn't matter what where you are on the spectrum of strength and flavor, there's something in this for everybody. And I think that this cigar deserves a world of credit I think, for absolutely. it. I think complexity always wins. Oh, yeah. When you have something that's different, unique, complex, no matter the strength or or how rich it is, and I think this was a rich flavored cigar, yeah, yeah. It, it, that's always going to win because it, it it piques your interest for the entire 90 minutes of the cigar. Well, it put a stake in the ground and it said, this is what it is, and it was defined. And I think for me, and and what it delivered was was really, really good and tasted really good. At least it stood for something. Yeah. And it didn't get harsh in that last third. At all. At which we've mm. experienced so many times, you know. So, well, this was another revelation, boys. And I think, I think probably, aside from the Punch Mantua, one of the best regionals that we've done. Yeah. I mean, certainly at an 8-8. Eight, eight, I yeah. mean, that's... Who, who would have yeah. thought birthday <laughs> birthday resolution, try more regionals? <laughs> <laughs> who would have ever thought I'd say those words? You know, it's, it's an it's, outlier. <laughs> <laughs> the next regional is going to be like a four. I know it. <laughs> it's also the point that Habanos is making some 
the fresh cigars that are being rolled. They're better now. They're better. They're yeah. good. They're smokable. They don't need to sit for a while. That's right. So whether it be a regional or regular production. It means they it. don't need to water pour it all over them. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's only for the Chateau Margaux. Yeah. No, but the, the you know, it's, it's the quality control has shot up there, right? right. You, you know, we've met the leadership there, and you see that they're committed to trying to produce the best cigars again. Yeah. So I wanted to say, because this is very interesting, this is the identical rating that we gave the Lagoria Cubana Turquinos. Interesting. An wow. 8.8. Wow. So for how many times we kind of called wow. back to that, and it's a similar size too. It's like a Robusto Extra type mm-hmm. of size, I think. Um, it's it's interesting to see that uh, match up. <laughs> Certainly some of the other regionals that we've done. <laughs> oh, dogs. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, some of them have, have, have very much been dogs. What like was the it? Duke? The, the, <laughs> the Mantua we never rated. The other punch we did, we did the punch Duke, which got a 6.6. That was a Mexican regional, which was not very good. We did the we did an Anahados, which is not a regional. That was a Partagas Coronas Gordas, which is a 9.7. Uh, we, the Upman uh, Robustos Anahados we mentioned earlier was a 9.6. Not a regional, but we talked about it. And then, what was the other regional that we did here? We did one recently, didn't we? Ah, we did the uh, San Cristobal Hiramal Malaya, the Malaysian uh, Edicion Regional, which got a 5.8. <laughs> so that, you know, 8.8 to a 5.8, that's quite a big swing. Yeah. yeah. But it's San Cristobal, which is... That's a garden <laughs> uh, fertilizer. <laughs> that's a garden. Oh. But, boys, what an excellent night. What an excellent pairing. Uh, the champagne was fantastic. Senator, I hope you enjoyed your birthday celebration tonight. It was great. Yes, yeah. Appreciate it. Happy birthday again. Yes, Happy sir. birthday. We Happy love birthday. you. Yep. Yeah. Love you guys. So uh, the Quill from 2012, the Cabernet Sauvignon, was a 7.6. And the El Rey del Mundo uh, Grand Marshal Regional Edition Balcani was an 8.8. An excellent night. Excellent pairing. And we'll see you all next week. Keep smoking. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for joining us. You can find our merch store and ratings archive at our brand new website, loungelizardspod.com. That's loungelizardspod.com. Don't forget to leave us a rating and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you have any comments, questions, if you want to reach out, say hello, tell us what you're smoking, email us, hello at loungelizardspod.com. You can also find us on Instagram at loungelizardspod. We really appreciate your time. And we'll uh, we'll see you next week.